welcome to Ink and Pete, a podcast where memoir and Ireland share the stage. We talk with authors, guides, ghostwriters, and other free spirits drawn to memoir or enchanted by Ireland. I'm Barb Robitaille. And I'm Craig Stewart. Our chat on this episode of Ink and Pete is with Ingrid Kincaid, a writer, teacher, wise counselor who lives fully and freely, following ancient wisdom as offered through the reading of runes, through silence, through questioning, and through living flat out. Ingrid teaches writing as a means of tapping into one's creativity and urges those she teaches to step into the center of their lives and embrace the practice of writing daily. To learn more about this unique, courageous, wise, Harley-Davidson writing woman, visit her website, IngridKincaid.com. I had such a great time chatting with Ingrid. She came to us kind of out of the blue. Uh, she's a friend of Aaron Donnelly's, and uh, Aaron recommended she contact us, and sure enough, there we go. Had a nice conversation uh, about story, about creativity, about runes, about riding her Harley. <laughs> <laughs> She's a force. She's really something. She is. Yeah. Yes. What did you get out of the conversation? Well, you know, I enjoyed listening. And one of the things that I took away was her encouragement of embracing technology uh, rather than, you know, disdaining it or, or being overwhelmed by it, but approaching it with some curiosity and knowing that it is a way of connection and that we are all connected and technology can actually support us in that. And that, that was, uh, I enjoyed that. And, and to be curious about it, you know, I still don't know where the emails are. I know. <laughs> uh, where do they go? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Good question. Yeah. Oh, so I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. It's, it was kind of put it all in perspective. It did. It yeah. did. Well, it's time to put the kettle on and have a listen to Ingrid Kincaid. I'm speaking today with Ingrid Kincaid. She's the Rune Woman. She's the author of two books and working on a third. Welcome, Ingrid. It's great to have you on Ink and Pete. Same. I feel very excited to be talking with you. You know, I went to your website and there are three things you write that uh, grab me. One is you like to live in the realm of adventure and possibility between the worlds of seen and unseen, and then uh, along the magical and the mundane. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of this world seems to be heading more and more in a techno direction? How hard is it or how easy is it to do those things, to live a, a venture and possibility between worlds and so on? Well, it, it can can be a challenge, uh, and it can also be an incredible opportunity. Uh, so I see that technology is a tool, and just like any kind of a tool, we can use it in many ways. So, we can, you know, technology can control us, we can control it, uh, sometimes we can. And, um, and I, I think in terms of, there's no accident that some of the technology was named the web, <laughs> and, and that We've always, all humans have stories about grandmother spider or the weavings of life. And so 
when I when I go to use technology, I in in ask for an invitation into that web, into that place where all things are connected, and that there is magic in that. Uh, I think it's just as magic as when our ancestors threw a handful of herbs into the fire and then you know a spirit an ancestral spirit or a god appeared in the smoke and we might laugh at that and say oh that's not possible but it's the same thing i can pick up my phone and talk to my friend that lives in another country and have her picture there and i don't know maybe we threw a handful of herbs into the fire so that she she's here in my living room looking and talking looking at me and talking with me and so i i believe that the the abilities to to work in the realm of tangible and intangible we don't really understand i mean we can use our science and our you know techno technological explanations of this is what's happening and la 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 but it's like my my dad said to me one time he goes he goes where do they keep all the emails <laughs> and, and you know it, my and my dad was you know he was a great old guy coming out of Oklahoma and Texas and you know wore a Stetson hat and 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 that was a real question for him it's like well, where are the emails and and that I don't think we really know do we <laughs> uh, I can't answer that yeah yeah I mean it's like where do they exist and so in answer to that question is that I, I believe that there's a sense of wonder and possibility that we can have with technology. I believe we can ask permission to enter into the web, which is the connectedness of all life. And we can play with it and we can be serious with it and we can uh, pretend and imagine and, and all, you know, all of it and not, not, um, my sense is once we think we have an answer to something that's the booby prize that it it's like we stop questioning so always stay with the question because in the question is the adventure and the possibility it's not doesn't live in the answer no oh, lovely yeah your book coming out next is called the moon is always full hidden and forbidden wisdom of women this is a book you're writing or, your, or what no, we this is the one. Well, the book that's coming out, which is a re release date of October of this year, is um, the Lost Teachings of the Runes, and that's being published by Red Wheel Wiser Books. And so it's really in the final stages of layout and reviews being written and ready to go to press. And then the book that I'm working on uh, now, because the Lost Teachings is already complete is the one uh, the moon is always full i see yeah i love that, so that title. yes and that can i talk about that a little bit please do yeah oh yeah because i think it's very relevant um in in like in the question that you asked for for more than 10 years this actually was a course that i developed about 15 years ago that was designed to follow the phases of the moon, and there are 26 topics. So I had set it up with what I call full moon, dark moon, full moon, dark moon, going through a course of a year. And just recently, I, I came, because I, I really am 
adamant about inviting people to embrace the concept of darkness. Darkness as being rich and full and, and not needing light. Darkness doesn't need to be enlightened. Darkness exists as its own being and, um, and as does light. And so um, in Norse mythology, the, there is a being who is night. Her name is Not, N-O-T-T. She is the mother of earth. So I was working with her and, and this like moment of <laughs> aha was the moon is always full because full as a word means complete and whole. And the moon is always complete and whole. Whether she is in shadowed, because that's really what the moon does is she moves through the universe, through the cosmos, and she moves in and out of the shadow of the earth. That's, and so when, when we see her in the night sky, we are seeing her in various stages of moving in and out of shadow. But she's always full, or and she's always full. And so whether she's fully illuminated by the sun, and we get to see her because of our position on the earth, or whether she has moved into the shadow of the earth and now she's fully in shadowed, she's still always full and complete. Mm -hmm. And and when that when that came to me, I I thought this is actually the piece of renaming, renaming the course and and writing it using a new perspective of how would it be if we stopped thinking of full as being light. Because that's what I, where we go so often. And then we're so afraid of even saying dark, we don't even say it. We say, oh, the new moon? Well, no, the dark moon is the, is the night when the moon, we don't see the moon because she's fully in the shadow, but she's still full. So that's, the, <laughs> maybe that's too much of an explanation, but it's, it was very exciting for me. And I started uh, work, working that into several of the classes I've been teaching, working that concept in. And then that feels like the piece that needed to be there so that I could take this course that I've taught for so many years and really put it, frame it into this, into the book and make it available to so many more people. Yes, it, it's very much focused uh, or with a perspective, a female or a woman-based perspective. However, it's, it's beautiful and necessary for men as well. It's not, it doesn't exclude them. It's a, it, it rings true. Doesn't it feel, it feels so like, Oh, how did we not think of that before? <laughs> before, I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well done. I, I look forward to reading it. Me too. Exactly yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, the books to me, the books take on their own life. They, yes, they do write themselves. Not like I don't do automatic writing, but they have their own. It's like being pregnant with multiple children, and you don't get to decide who comes out first. They do. That's that's my has been my experience with writing, and so this wasn't quite ready to come, and now it's going to write itself because it gave me a piece of knowing, a piece of remembering that is going to lead the way. Oh, that's brilliant! How would you then take that information that you just gave us about the books sort of write themselves? How would you present that to your students or to someone who? 
is interested in writing a book, as, as many people are who are coming on our tour, how would you then encourage them to view the writing process? I would encourage, first of all, I, and this I do encourage because I, I do teach creative writing process, to just start, where, like you do with a painting, just start with the page and start to write and free write. And free write is so necessary at the beginning because it's not necessarily the book and it's not the beginning. You can't just start at the beginning. I don't believe that. I believe you start by allowing something to come through you, through your hand, through the pencil, the pen, and just don't edit it. Don't worry about the punctuation or whether it's even making sense. Just allow yourself to write. And in that outpouring, you get rid of a lot of the, the impurities, <laughs> you know, not that they're impure, but well, it's, it just kind of gets out of the way because you ha you're not censoring. And then when you go back, because you've already said all this stuff you don't really want in the book anyway, that's already been out, you already got rid of that. Then you can go back and start looking at it with like, oh, the, here's a thread I can pick up or here's a gem. And now I can see where this can go and where that can go. It's not one size fits all. I know everyone writes differently or approaches the process in a different way. So I encourage that individuality. However, I do believe that we must write. It's like practicing scales. If you're a great pianist, you have to play scales every single day so that you can do that one performance that's brilliant and it can't happen unless you do the scales and writing is the same way i love that analogy yeah and maybe you you know yes you practice the piece however the foundation of your ability is to do just you know writers write it's what i tell people write write every single day and don't think about it just start I, I start with a prompt if i really tell the truth i think that's a brilliant prompt every morning if i really tell the truth and then just let it unfold. If I really tell the truth, I don't want to get out of bed. If I really tell the truth, I'd like to eat ice cream for breakfast. I wish that, you know, the bird next door would stop singing. It doesn't matter because what you do is you open the door and then you're just letting what's inside of you flow out of you through this instrument, whether it's your voice or your pen or your computer, it doesn't matter. And you'd have to do, I, I believe you have to do it every day. Yeah, I think that's really wise advice. Uh, there are so many of us who are looking to be more tapped in, shall we say, to the mystical world. You seem to have that going in spades. Are we all tapped into that, or not necessarily tapped in, but do we all have access to that information? Or are some, just like some people are great athletes, maybe some people are mystics. How would you approach that if somebody came to you and said, hey, look, I've got nothing going on in the mystical world? First, I would say, we all have, we, we're all, we're never not tapped in. We, we are all connected in this way to all that is, whether we can see it with our eyes or not. We are all very um, unique and individual. And yes, some of us make baskets and some of us paint pictures. So how we are tapped in may be evident in different ways. Someone may be tapped into the nature of, a fl of flowers and are a flower arranger. And we might not think of that as being mystical or spiritual. However, it very much it is that way because they're, the flowers talk to them. They see them. They arrange them. And others of us may uh, create 
art, but we're actually creating art from memory, ancestral memory, or we write books sometimes. So I feel like we each have our own way. We all have the music. We're each a different instrument. So the sound, we can play the same notes. The sound is going to be different because of the instrument that we are as an individual. What I find happens for most people, the reason they don't easily connect with it or don't recognize even that they have it is that they're never quiet. They are never still. People are, when I teach, they say, oh, I, I have, you have to play music during a class or I have to have the music in my car or I can't go for a walk without my headphones. And what happens is that we can't hear life because there's so much static all the time. It's, it's like sitting in a, in, in a restaurant with somebody you're on a date with and having two other people sitting at the table with you cross-talking. How can you, you can't hear, you can't connect. And, and so to me, the, the biggest gift that we can give ourselves is silence. And that, you know, it's noisy in the woods, yes. But that's sound that is relevant to where you are. It's not going camping and bringing your generator and a big boom box. Mm -hmm. Every single day, I, I, I believe we must have time of silence. And even we start our children that way. We encourage silence and no, no media, no input of other information spend time without reading without listening to music or programs and not that there's anything wrong with them it's just not balanced and you can't hear the ancestors speak you can't hear the plants talk to you you can't see the unseen ones if you're always surrounded by by sound and stimulation i mean that's one of the ways that they drive prisoners of war crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Is is like with too much sound and too much light. And on the other end, it can also be too much silence, but I believe it's because it's silence that, that doesn't have relevance. We can have, you know, we need silence, but silence within the context, nature and life. Practice the day, you know, half a day of not talking, seeing what, what would happen if your family didn't speak for half of a day each month. What would it be like? So that to me is how to remember the connection. I believe we care, everybody carries in, in their bones, in their blood, in their DNA, all this ancestral wisdom. And we have to be quiet so we can hear the ancestors talking to us. I do what the voices tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Good. When did you yeah. first hear the voices speak to you? When did you first listen to the ancestors? I don't know that I was listening to the ancestors. I knew it when I was little. And I believe perhaps all children do. And so I can remember very clearly when I was quite little, telling my mother that I was magic. That's how I would speak about it. I would tell her I was magic. And, and we, were, we were a very cultish, fundamentalist, Christian household where that was not a word that was allowed in the vocabulary so it was no you're not that's not possible or don't talk about that so what i know as a child i always had this sense of uh, i called it mischief but it was mischief because i saw other little beings and i and the ones that i was connected to were very tricky 
<laughs> I think that's why they liked me. So, so that was there, and I can remember it very clearly. And I, I see it. I have one grandchild who's seven now, little boy, and he's always he's always had it. So I see it in him. We talk about it a lot because I don't forbid it and his mom doesn't forbid it, but it was forbidden in my family and it was punishable by death, you know, that kind of whatever it is, doesn't really matter how, how it's forbidden, but it was, and it was not something that was cultivated. And so then as you, as I grew up, it became less and less, um, acceptable and certainly not relevant and not needed in the follow the rules and get the job done type of thing. And so it wasn't until I was actually in my 40s in the process of um, ending a long marriage and my kids were grown and that I had an experience and it was actually with the runes that looking back what what i believe happened is that the ancestors said to me okay you're ready now and we're coming back and and it's not an option for you <laughs> you're going to do this whether you like it or not <laughs> and and so in that experience i literally was house sitting some there was a bag of runes on the on the coffee table and i dumped them out like oh i wonder what's in this bag and when I did, these little ceramic stones I, came out and they had these markings. And I just like, oh, I know, I know what this is. I know this. And then my mind, my other mind said, uh, no, you don't. And, I, and then I, but I do. It was like all of a sudden I saw something and recognized something and knew something so powerful. And so this argument was going on. No, you don't. Yes, I do. As, as I was putting them back in the pouch, because it was like, okay, if I just stick them back and pull the string closed and set that back on the table, this didn't happen. However, it did happen. And, and then it just, it was like the awareness was there again. And then I started remember remembering. I, I see things with my eyes closed. That's probably the best way. I close my eyes and I'm given information. I see things sometimes in the dark. Um, I just know there's a there's a rune called kenaz which looks like a wedge and it's the rune of inner knowing and it's about remember remembering things you didn't learn that's what how i describe it oh i like that i like that yeah and and so that's also i believe there's a place for all of us that we can have that experience that opportunity to remember things we didn't learn and yet we know them and then it happens for us, perhaps it happens at different times in our, our life, and maybe we're not able to say yes, maybe we're so afraid we push it away, and that's part of working with creativity to me. Writing is, is a tool for that. It sometimes leads us, if we let it, leads us to the remembering. I can see it with students a lot of times. I'll ask, give a prompt, and I'll watch. You can watch the thought go right by them <laughs> uh, and they track it you can see it on their face yeah. they tracked it and then they they, they um, won't write it they'll do something else that couldn't be okay oh. and, and then in that I'll stop and say what did you just remember and whatever it was even if it wasn't the answer to the question or, or to the prompt write it anyway because I know and you know that you just remembered something yeah 
And that's the, that's the gift, isn't it? That's the beauty. It is. And being open to the gift is uh, huge. That's a huge gift to give yourself. Talk a little bit about, I, I imagine you can talk a lot about runes, but what, if you had just a few words to speak to our people about runes and the wisdom in runes, what would you say? Well, I would say this, the markings that most people recognize look like letter alphabetic letters are actually signatures of ancient vibrational sentient beings. And that when you, so that's just like shorthand, here's the signature of this really beautiful ancient being that's part of the, of creation and not creation, meaning God creation, but bringing energy into form over and over again. And sadly that, alphabet has been abused, misused, trivialized, made into cartoons and comic books, and, and fix, you know, fixed onto Viking violence. You know, I talk about that in my book, this misogynistic, patriarchal kind of envisioning of all Father Odin and the Vikings. And, and it's like, it's, corrupted it it's bastardized it it's 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 a travesty and so for me these very simple straight lines that when they connect together form a a pattern a grid that's part of the web of the universe vibrate with wisdom that's life wisdom and nature wisdom and give us patterns that we can live by. They're like tools, but, but they also make sound because rune, the word rune means a whispered secret, a whisper. And so runes, if you allow them, they, they will whisper to you, but whisper in a way that you can feel the vibration of them. And then when that happens, they connect you with the wisdom that they hold. And it's not, it's a wisdom that the balance of life and death and light and dark and up and down and and that's part of the lost teachings book is that these are the things that people don't know when they talk about the runes because they talk about them as being the vikings and you know whatever it doesn't matter and so connected to these um, again a, a male dominant type of patriarchal interpretation of something that isn't that way at all and um, so both of my books about the runes are really about remembering that, that this was a body of earth wisdom and nature and cycles, a body of information that was used by the people of the North in the times long before Christianity, long before the Romans, and it informed them as to how to, to live in harmony and right relationship. And, and that's available. You know, right now, I, I believe yeah. to everyone. It, and, and it's not specific. You know, it doesn't have to be that you have to be a Northern European. However, it speaks in that language. So there's a lot of information about freezing and darkness and ice, the kinds of climate and terrain and animals and plants that would be relevant. And, and that we forget that, like when we read other sacred texts, if you think about the Bible, put it in the context of, of the, you know, the Middle East, put it in, it's a desert religion, it, you know, camels and palm, date palms. So it, it, the language is relevant to 
time and location and the people understood that. We talk about glaciers and the sun never rises in the winter and what it's like to have Amanita mushrooms growing underneath evergreens and reindeer. That's the language of the runes. And that's the, we need to understand that in order to actually know where to put the information, which is universal and timeless. However, it's specific to the people in the region. And, and that's the language it was written in. And the, so those are the beings. To me, these are the beings of the North that talk to us through the runes. Lovely. You mentioned availability. Where are these books available? The first book I wrote, The Runes Revealed, An Unfamiliar Journey, I self-published. It's available on Amazon. It's available locally here in Portland. You can find it at uh, New Renaissance Bookshop. Is They always have copies of that on the shelf. Uh, Invoke also carries it. Powell's, you can order it. Uh, and that's some of the restrictions and limitations that happen when a book is not picked up by a big publishing big house. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. um, the newest one, Lost Teachings of the Runes, is being published through Red Wheel Wiser Books. And it's also available right now for pre-order on Amazon. You can go, actually, you can look under my name as an author, and both of the books are there on Amazon. And um, it can be pre-ordered, which I would really encourage people to do because it raises my ratings. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Order, pre-order, everyone. Please. Free, everyone, please pre-order <laughs> the second book and buy the first one. And uh, no, you don't make a living off of selling books. I love what I have been gifted to write about, and I believe it's relevant to anyone, whether you're interested in the runes or not. Yeah, I think that's, that's coming clear you. through talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. No question. The time has flown listening to you. I love this. This is good, good stuff, Ingrid. I have two questions for you to sort of end our little little chat. One is, where have you found joy where you least expected to find it? Um, I, I found joy with myself. And I would say for a big, for most of my life, and I, I proudly say that I'm in my 70s, um, most of my life I didn't remember who I was because I was so busy living someone else's expectation of how, who I had to be and how I had to behave and what the rules were. And when I, when I remembered my, who I was and lived from that place, then I, I experienced a joy that I probably had as a very small child. And, and I, I don't know that least expected, I don't know that I had an expectation. It was just such a surprise to, you know, what's possible when you remember who you are, not who other people think you are. And always surprise people. You'll have joy if you always surprise people. <laughs> That's lovely. Sort of makes this next question sort of pale by comparison. I guess, uh, what book are you reading? The book I'm reading, well, I'm always reading more than one book. Yeah. However, the book that I am um, reading right now is Braiding Sweetgrass. I don't remember the... I'm sorry to the author. I don't remember her name right now. It's very beautiful. And it is so woven. I mean, that, that I'm using that, that imagery. As I read it and I write in my books, I'm writing all these notes about this. There's a rune about this. There's a rune about that. 
and I'm being inspired to connect with her. And I, within probably shortly, I will do that, reach out to just, because it's written from the perspective of the, some, her native tribal people mm-hmm. in this country mm-hmm. and, and their connection and love and relationship with nature. And that I believe that this is what the runes gave to the Northern Europeans in in another way in the same well in the same way and in another time and place and that when we forget that we all have that then the braid comes undone oh yeah and and so i i i'm really touched by this book right now and uh, reading it more slowly a lot of times i'll go through books quickly because there's a glean gather things but i'm really living with wow Ingrid Kincaid, thank you so much. That was that was lovely. Do you have anything else you'd like to impart to our listeners? I, I would impart a, a question that I end with quite often in my classes. Where in your life have you settled for less because you were afraid? Great question. And then they can come to you. Yes, because I, w- I will tell them I'm afraid too, but let's just jump together. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When I turned 56 years old, and, you know, I had my kids early and on in life, and I've been lived in communist countries and la la la, I decided to buy to learn how to ride a motorcycle. And I took a course in California, and got a motorcycle license endorsement. And I went out and I purchased at that time a brand new 2005 Harley Davidson soft tail deluxe. Big, great big bike, didn't know how to ride, could never been on the freeway. And I just learned to ride it by riding it around the block, around the neighborhood. And um, and I just, I in the first couple of years, I rode that motorcycle 33,000 miles. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. And, and that's a lot of miles on a motorcycle. It and sure plus is. I didn't know what I was, and most of it I did alone. And just for Mother's Day this year, my oldest child turned 50, and I went to the Harley shop and I bought myself for Mother's Day, celebrating half a century of being a mother, I bought myself another motorcycle brand. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I ride and, and it's like and I'm afraid to do it anyway. That's a great so that, story. Yeah, for me it is and it makes me smile. It makes my kids scared, but it makes me smile. No, <laughs> uh, I love it. I saw the pictures on your website. I just I think it's brilliant. I love it. So thank you for the interview. I really feel honored and excited to have shared some of my story with you. It's just a beginning. I think we should stay in touch and, like I say, keep the conversation going. So Yes. Well, I would like to, I'd like to do that, too. And definitely, I, li- I would like to stay in touch. I am an advocate of taking, doing trips that involve writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody uh, needs to give themselves that kind of gift. Okay. Okay. Thank you thank so you much, Ingrid. So- I'll, I'll be in touch. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Ink and Pete, a production of Memoir Tours Ireland. You can learn more about Memoir Tours and find other podcasts on our website, memoirtours.com. And we'd love to know if you have ideas for shows or requests. We'd love to hear from you. Contact Craig or Barb at memoirtours.com. Until next time, may you find joy where you least expect it.